This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time, time Live. It's time. Talk Time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go. Live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard worse when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Welcome back to the Journal of My Life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. What a hell of a week. <laughs> I could just end the show off just like that. What a hell of a week. I hope everybody... All right, let's be real. I hope most of you are safe. I hope most of you have you know been safe throughout this whole thing but there's a lot of chaos going on this week the first six days of the year of 2021 after a horrific year of 2020 can't even last six days it's like one of those jobs it's like one of those construction jobs or those jobs where you go where like they have the numbers of you know a days as to how of how many injuries that has occurred since then didn't even last six days before we got some of the most historical chaotic events happen and as a result the real world supervillain is no longer anywhere on social media and, and he should remain off of that as well like if somebody told me in 1996 that we would have a real world real life lex luthor First of all, I've been scared out my ass. Two, second, I'm like, where's the time machine? Where can I go to the future and be able to uh, de-escalate the situation? We, you know, it's it's crazy. I'm reading I'm reading comics again, and it's amazing how now the comic book universe and world and narrative is really assimilating into the real world aspect of things it's like it's not so the only thing that's not happening is that we don't have superpowers and god forbid if we ever had that because we are not talk about a uh 
a a country that with that 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 actually created the term a man created the term with great power comes great responsibility man well are we the most irresponsible group of people in this country today that having power is something that we just god we need some we need we need some immediate training and discipline <laughs> before we can handle such power because what has happened this week is just insane but i'm not here to totally focus on that but with that said i do hope that everybody is safe and everybody will remain safe and you know learn from these situations and learn from everything that has happened in a moral and ethical way so i'll just leave it at that but i digress um we are here to talk our favorite fandoms and what better way to do that than to talk about one of my all-time favorite things to talk about and that is transformers um we got a new season of transformers war and cybertron the second chapter of the trilogy uh entitled earthrise and we're going to review that in our talk topic today it, it came out before the new year's but you know everything happening so much has happened then that you know i've mentioned it before that we were going to be able to do it until now and i would be remiss if i did not talk about this series because this deserves mentioning in so many levels so get ready if you're a transformers fan like i am get ready because we're going to talk all things g1 style on a talk topic today um we got a lot of other things to talk about well not a lot of other things but some interesting things to talk about and i mentioned comic books believe it or not i got some i got comic books to talk about so let's not waste any time let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg so you know what's funny this is acmg this is anime comics movies and games this is talk time live that you're listening to and yet i haven't talked about a comic book on this show in years like for those who are new to listening to this show we actually did not only did we talk about comic books i had co-host on this show and we talked about comic books we even had a comic book segment uh, an entire show and you know uh catered to comic books and I, just comics in general just really really died down and the last few years a lot of it has to do with the transitioning from comics to movies and you know now we get to see our favorite comic book characters especially our any demographic that grew up during the 90s boom period we are now seeing and being rewarded with everything that we enjoyed in, in, in the panels come to life in movie form in the highest of budgets in CGI and no pun intended it is a marvel to see um and and now it kind of kind of diluted the aspect of comp like it, it you know there's no there's no lie there, there's no hidden mystery about this comic books have kind of died down in in terms of their fan base in quite some time i haven't read uh, a comic like in quite some time um like like really hardcore like recently the recent books that i actually read were possibly books that i've used to read back in the 90s like i love my one of my favorite books to read is 
Spider-Man books. And in particular, The Revenge of the Sinister Six, which was drawn by Eric Larson back then and during the boom period. Such a great book. I absolutely love the book. And, if, and to tell you how really great that book is, if you guys remember, for those who are listening at that are my age, um, if you remember that in the Spider, the Marvel Spider-Man PS4, PS5 game, one of the the, the suits that he wears, they call it cyber, uh, they call it cyborg Spider-Man, but it's based on the exo cast that he wore in Revenge of the Sinister Six, the cast that Shill gave him after he got his ass handed to him by the Sinister Six in that book. And Eric Larson drew this really, really cool outfit where his um, his his actual costume is beaten, uh, beat up and battered, uh, stitched up and everything. And then you got this, you know, cybernetic cast that kind of heals his arm uh, expeditiously, if you will. And it, it, it's one of my favorite panels. And then, you know, to see the comic book cover with Eric Larson drawing with him with him wearing the cast and you got Deathlock by his side as well. And the lovely part about reading Spider-Man comic books is basically, especially when it involves the Sinister Six, is that you know when the Sinister, uh, the Sinister Six happens, that means Spider-Man has to even the odds and get his group of superheroes. So there's always a group of, you know, superheroes that cross over to help him, you know, go against those guys because they are a handful every single time. So that was pretty much those are pretty much the last ones that I've read and some actual other McFarlane, you know, versions too with Spawn or whoever. Um, but I haven't read as much in terms of new content there's not that much i go off and on i've read the x-men comics when they came back out they were awesome but uh people started saying that they've kind of fell off on that note so i kind of fled off of there and i didn't want to waste any time or money to put on that uh because they you know i've heard so many people say it went a weird way normally i would find out for myself but like i kind of like the way that they went with the direction so i just you know kind of eased off it on that note but during every year when we do the best of 2020 we always put up comic books you know granted it doesn't get as the the voting for it is not as heavy or is not at high volume as the other categories that we have and that's a testament right there as to how much comic books has kind of you know died down in the years um but still kind of staying steady in certain in, in the case um we still got people who do post comic panels and stuff like that and on an acmg facebook group but not nearly as much as it was like five years ago like five years ago in fact i even had a contest based upon you know the comic book universes called the omega fist tournament and we used to have you know it was so huge that we even had comic book you know um you used to have highlight you know podcast about it and the contest and everything and i used to have guests that come on you know kyle abert you know the voice of ryu came on to do the announcement for uh ruben langdon came on to do you know do a liner for it as well and it was awesome it was a really good cool thing that we that involved like everybody's favorite comic book characters being chosen to compete in a fictitious fantasy tournament and there were actual real prizes involved in that too but it just hasn't been the same you know comics have really really died down um you know significantly at best and that 90s boom period hasn't been since but every once in a while i find myself wanting to come back because i want that boom period to come back i want that i mean if people 
if 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 these younger generations were around during the time when the 90s boom period it was one of the hottest periods in all of fandom like anime wished that they had this type of publicity like anime is getting better now but it's still not meeting that mainstream mark like comics did like whenever you if you you don't see um rob uh you don't see like masami obari <laughs> doing a levi's commercial or doing any type of you know fashion commercial or whatever back then it was so big you had rob liefeld do a levi's commercial directed by spike lee okay <laughs> and to all those people who, who kind of who hate on rob liefeld for his whatever get over it it's an art style art is not to be what you want it needs to be what it is and you need to understand the significance of why now granted yeah he admits that he he had some shortcomings but still better he's still a better artist than a lot of people who you know complain about him and at the end of the day he created deadpool and at the end of the day that man, that dude still loaded so you can talk all he want he's still collecting money enough said <laughs> but you know it is it, it you know every once in a while it's just that boom period we I, I wait for the day for that to come back i don't know what it is i still have i still am optimistic about it but we'll see and i tell you what the, the books that i'm reading now is one i'm reading spider woman the recent spider woman uh first of all i love the new design that she wears uh right now that black suit it, it, she does wear a black and red suit as well it's it's really cool um and i know miles morales is donning the black and red but she has her own variation of it it looks, it looks pretty cool i like it um it's going in a weird path because basically she lost her powers and is killing her and she's trying to find her way to finding a serum to help um you know cure her pretty much and she's teaming up with uh captain marvel who is apparently one of her close friends and you know she's going to all these weird places to find a high um evolution uh the, is it a high evolution or high evolutionary no it's the high evolutionary um to because he is the means for this cure so it is it's good it's not great but i'm a fan of i've been a fan of spider woman for quite some time like dating back to the days of the old 80s cartoon and you know I've, i i wish i still had it i even had the um the actual first the issue the first issue the first edition issue of when she they killed her off of the series and it, she was not meant to come back and apparently somehow she came back and better than ever because she was a um she came back as a, uh, a hydra agent or whatever and now she works for shield or whatnot and they went through different phases with her with uh jessica drew but um nonetheless i like the direction that they're going with now uh it's good it is not blowing me away but it's still there so i'm still still trying to see where this is going to lead to at that but you know it, it's a, it's a good book right now um but let's talk about a great book let's talk about a phenomenal book right now i gotta give you my thoughts on a book that was voted the best of 2020 and it was up against because the category was uh best manga and comic you know us man uh comics versus um you know japanese manga and you, they're both virtually the same thing with a different term and different ways of reading it that's pretty much it but it's, they're both they're all comics at the end of the day it 
they this one almost lost to my hero academia for best but it just beat it over the edge and now i understand why because i've read the first volume of this and wow teenage mutant ninja turtles reborn rise from the ashes volume one written and drawn by sophie campbell it was published on august 2020 probably one of now i can i can honestly say one of the best things to come out of 2020 but i was blown away at the evolution and revolution of this book of this franchise of this universe like i've recognized they have a different type of turtles franchise for everybody like there's a kids version that nickelodeon does um they're like if you I, I just told somebody on an acmg facebook group they asked me if this book was for the good enough for the kid and i'm like this is a little bit on the mature side you know i mean there's some subject matters that's not like gratuitous at all but it's like it it's it it's a it's a very sophisticated you know book in this case and you know your kid may or may depending on the iq and intellect of your kid he may want to ask you questions he may be he may not understand some of the things that's going on he may be bored because when you think about turtles you want to see action there's really and it's surprisingly there's not that much action in this book instead it's a lot of character development and in in, in deep intriguing character development here it's like you you got these characters that we known and love since the 80s in a position that we never thought we would ever see them in in a very humanistic you know uh position and it is absolutely breathtaking i was i was enamored <laughs> i was at awe of what i was reading here and i haven't been like this in quite some time for a for a book i mean it, it just covered everything what you know what usually excites me arch style first um dialogue and storytelling second this had it all for me um let's go down with it real quick and you know if you haven't read this book if you're interested in this book i would fast forward this segment because i may spoil a little bit about what's going on but i still got a lot to you know check out as well but in in the hindsight of, of this volume splinter dies during the events of another saga called city at war the city has now split into two separate uh parts of the city new york city that is uh now, that is now separating mutants from humans after the spread of an airborne mutagen that changes human humans into mutated humanoid animals now this is slightly not original in a sense of we've heard this type of storyline before and with the inhuman storyline you know uh with that situation so but it works really well this formula works very well with this and it kind of makes sense for this anyway because they've been around for so long you kind of wonder like why didn't this happen by now you know for all the comics for all the animated shows that we saw why hasn't this actually happened you with all of the you know manipulation of mutagen and and all these you know uh chemical um these uh chemistry uh experiments that they do on this series it's like i it, i shouldn't be surprised that this has happened to the point that the whole entire city is under siege of a you know of a widespread uh i guess you could call it a virus or pandemic as well uh in this case so you know with people fearing what they understand there's a lot of segregation in here and therefore now you have mutant town which is strictly for mutants i i from from what i understand the humans uh uh decided this i guess in uh 
you know, just to make sure until we figure out what the hell's going on, meaning they fear what they don't understand. So they're going to distance themselves, you know, story of our real lives. <laughs> then you have the turtles in April who have distanced themselves into a depressive state. And this was pivotal for me because this is one of those situations that it's, it, it starts to hit home, not just for myself in a sense not to say that i'm in a depressive state but i'm a, i'm empathetic towards what's going on here because there's a lot of that that's going on right now in the real world here um you know their father died you know they they were under one of the biggest wars that they've ever encountered and their father died you know april has been a part of that family for ages you got jenica who's now a new part who really started to you know uh in, in being dared to splinter now gone you know the the center point of the, the glue that put those guys together is gone uh you got donnie who's craving to reach out to them but doesn't know how you got michelangelo who lives fairly he i, he, I think he lives with leonardo but he's fairly just distanced himself and he's living he's living with a now therapy cat but it's too despondent after the loss of uh splinter to even want to get up from out of his bed it's like really bad and um it, it's it's so heartbreaking uh leo no longer wants to lead um the groups and tries to live a normal life somehow just try to put it all past him meanwhile ralph is playing the part of the vigilante as he always does trying to protect this newly formed mutant town but he only chooses to want to do it by himself in other words he's batman as always um the hurt and emotion that is illustrated by sophie campbell and these panels are deeply heartfelt it's like the minute every i swear to goodness every time i looked and i'm, I'm looking at this digitally and you know what i love about reading this digitally is that when you read when you read the old books like if i read like the spider-man books from back in the day uh like i said like the revenge of the sinister six and I, as much as i praise um Lightfield and, and and Larson and Sylvester and all those stuff they tend to I want to say get lazy with the smaller panels they tend to uh just do a quick sketch on them but you're not supposed to notice it because we're not doing a zoom in on it you know back then we didn't have digital we didn't have iPads in the 90s and all this stuff there was no such thing as digital reading we had actual physical copies of this stuff and so our perspective our eye view when you zoom in and scale it up you don't see that lack of detail that you see in bigger panels so when you look at it from a digital you know um from like a cosmic uh, ology or like a marvel app or whatever like that or a dc app and you zoom in you kind of see the lack of detail that they put in because it was like a quick sketch that they did to get you know just to move on and to meet that deadline i guess and going they can't do that now <laughs> they really can't do that now because now we have it all digital and we have a way of doing you know you always have the option that zooms in like the smart op the smart panel option that uh, that has you going in from panel to panel which allows you to focus more on um, the reading of it because back then you know we had our from our perspective we had all of the writing so it's, sometimes if the writing is too much like if you read a thor book thor there's so much dialogue in a thor book and you have this 
panel of all these clouds that are just full of conversation and dialogue and it's it kind of overwhelms you now you have the smart panel with you if you activate it it automatically zooms in on every single panel so you can focus on the dialogue of every single panel and while you're also focusing on the dialogue you're also focusing on the detail of the art so now every artist are a little bit more uh intricate with how they illustrate panels now and sophie campbell every panel is whether how small it is or how large it is is beautifully detailed and drawn i mean i it's it, i want to say the perfection but it's it's strongly it is some strong structure in in in, in line work and uh and no matter how small it is or no matter how large it is and i love it it is absolutely awesome the book also really captures the soul uh of some real world sentiments um that many are feeling today especially now especially within the last 10 days now. um i have yet to read city of war city at war I, my strategy here was to read the volume one see what's going on with this and then you know get excited it, 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 see if it'll get me so excited that i want to learn more about what happened well when you start off when when you start off in telling people that splinter died how else do you want to find out what happened during that city at war saga i also i was told uh by um our acmg member jay dixon as well that wrote uh, the ronin books were pretty good too so i gotta check that out as well but I, you know, it's like one of those, you know, burying the lead uh, type of sayings. It's like, okay, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. I got to read and find out how much, how, you know, how that happened, what happened with that situation. So now I'm very much intrigued and I am going to find out what happened with that. I believe it's an eight part series. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes. But I am quite sure there may be some very relevant storytelling that we can relate to which is crazy if, if you think about it you know uh in this state because you know city at war was uh, it's it's kind of it could be considered possibly an over-the-top version of what we just uh, witnessed over the last week <laughs> in a sense and now what they're going through in reborn uh rise from the ashes is kind of the aftermath of it and that's what i've read in this book is I, I felt some of what we were going through now there was loss through all of this there was you know trial and tribulation through all this and people are trying to get through it people are trying to recover so there wasn't much in terms of action in this book but it didn't have to be it didn't need to be there was a subtle amount and then the rest of it was just like really bringing personality and human and and a humanistic you know feel to each character that they're real in a sense that that you can relate to dare i say the marvel way <laughs> in this case it was it's just so well done um what else can i say tm t uh teenage mutant ninja turtles reborn is almost therapeutic uh especially when looking at the panels of the turtles and april april suffering through trial and tribulation of um like you've never seen them before april she I, when I saw the panels of her and she's just laying in her house, first of all, she works for um, Baxter Stockman and I got to find out how that happened and where his allegiance lies. Because whenever I read about Baxter Stockman, he's rather a good guy or a bad guy and it's always going a different way. So 
I just know that he's no longer a fly or never was a fly in this case or whatever like that. But um, it's it's interesting. But, you know, she they show her in this room. It, it's it's so, so, so uh, related. Her whole entire place is like she has clothes everywhere. She has, you know, she hasn't done really anything. She doesn't want to do anything. She's too, you know, depressed to get up and do anything and it's been months since then and from what i saw in the panel and as a and i don't know i haven't like i said i haven't read any of the prior books up to this but what i do know is that i never remembered april being drawn as kind of full-figured so i don't know if that entails that they rather drew a new april or april may have you know through her depression may have gained a little bit weight as opposed to that i don't know but i thought that was just also intriguing watching that uh, looking at that panel and i and that makes me really because if if it is in fact like, like in the prior uh pages like in at city at Warden, she was like a more slender person and now she is a little bit more f um full-figured and framed I wonder if that is like part of the depression letting in and just not caring about, you know, working out or being helped. You know, it's just stuff like that. And I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that type of emotion being brought into that, if that is the case. But I have to read the prior, you know, uh, deals to do it because that's some real that's some real life stuff. That's some th it, stuff like that happens. You know, it really does like everything. I looked at these panels in a I looked at these panels in the same way that somebody going to therapy would look at a ink blot test or a Warshak test. And depending on what you see brings out a certain emotion. There were certain panels that I that really stuck out watching uh, Michelangelo uh, sleep with the with the cat. Um seeing all of them hug each other watching april in her room in her uh house depressed and with clothes everywhere and you just you know just everything's just blitz in this case uh every turtle and everything just doing what they have to um jenica you know bonding with Raphael, stuff like i mean you saw some real emotion here and you know to almost to the marvel comics level because that's something marvel would do marvel is always known for trying to bring out emotion out on people and the only book that i could really relate to having this type of feeling but i think they i think this book may have superseded them on that is um brian uh brian michael bendis and sarah pacelli uh when they do miles morales that is it, it really reminded me of that type of uh relevant and relative type of you know narrative and dialogue here and you know sarah pacelli with the beautiful artwork that she does with miles morales and brian michael bendis and his uh writing uh, of the uh series it's just it's so at home it is so at home and this one it was too um sophie campbell managed to make the turtles and every character around them feel more human than they ever were every chapter had a range of empathy hope and excitement especially during the formation of the splinter clan which i will only say that much from there <laughs> because when i saw that and they and they decided to do that i was like i lit up i immediately lit up and i'm like okay i like this i like this direction that they're going 
I told um, a friend of mine who's also in the ACMG Facebook group, Chris, I told him, you know, because he, I, you know, a lot of people when I posted about this, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people came in and chimed in, whether they read the book, they agreed with it, or they didn't read the book, and I gave them a reason to want to do it. And I had to tell them, I'm like, the way that things changed in this book for them is almost because he's a 90s guy too and i had to give him this comparison this was very comparable to x-men number one the infamous jim lee x-men number one where everything changed where i mean like let's not talk about the 10 million copies or whatever the overwhelming amount of copies that led to the bubble popping of value for that book or whatever but i'm talking about in terms of storytelling and how things change because if you remember that book that was the book that changed everything and that's when a real boom period came <laughs> right about that time um and he sold a record amount of copies for that book and I still have those copies, by the way. I still have every single issue. I got all the cards, all that stuff. So, um, but when the Shadow King came in and they were going up against the X, and he was going up against the X Men, it changed everything. It even recrippled uh, Charles Xavier. It was an epic moment, and it turned out to be one of the bigger things because you had the biggest roster of X Men ever. So much to the point they had a blue team and they had a gold team. And the blue team was the Jim Lee side, and the uh, gold team I forgot Art Thybert, uh, I believe was the was the one who uh, drew that one. Both were great, but like everybody wanted to read the Jim Lee <laughs> ones, of course. So much so that it, they even you know the cartoon, the uh, X Men animated series was based around the Jim Lee version, uh, to be exact. So it it was like that was a game changing moment. This has that same vibe uh as that one did so i love it and my favorite new characters with this is both jenica of course and that jenica actually is the reason and the intrigue as to why i wanted to read this book and find out how she became and how she and i knew it wasn't this book that she premiered in but i knew it was during city at war and that was i figured i would do that then but i read the rise of and i figured like okay i'll i have no problem backtracking it just because it brings more intrigue to me at this point something some books yeah i just have to do it that way um but alopex which i believe is a fox of course who's now part of the uh, new splinter clan if you will and my my only beef my only beef with the book it's, it's a pet it's a minor pet peeve it doesn't do anything really it's just a it's just a minor nitpick um is that they had her had alopex put on a green mask to be as one of the um the senior uh senpais i guess if you will um or senseis or senpais if you will of the uh of the group and she the way sophie campbell drew her face with this really cool pattern and then you got a mask over it to cover that pattern. I'm like, yo, she had, she looked really cool with this, with this, uh, this pattern that she had on her face. 
already and if you put the ma if you put the green mask over it, it kind of takes away from it like she looks pretty badass with the the way that they drew her already that's my only thing i mean the, the mask the the green turtle mask still looks cool but it looks i wish they would have went about it something different with that but you know it, she looks awesome they all look awesome i love the new characters i didn't name all the characters in it because there's a lot of new characters in the development of this new one so uh it, it's pretty awesome but i love the subject matter in here it's fantasy based on reality you know at in the highest volume and uh i i love it i absolutely love it and i'm looking forward to reading more of this this could be the the book that brings me back i'll just say that and i'm really intrigued so kudos to idw uh, kudos to sophie campbell and all of her work because she wrote and drew this book so i can imagine how much work she put into this and it wasn't it wasn't for not it was she it was awesome this i totally understand why this was voted best of 2020 so last bit of news that i have we talked about this a bit on select start and you know in, in um when involving kof 15 king of the fighter king of fighters 15 um it's coming i be i believe for the playstation 5 and xbox of course and i i could have sworn i said they said on nintendo switch and uh i'm again i'm still mad that king of fighters 14 is not i don't understand it there's no rhyme or reason why that game should be coming especially when they have samurai showdown for the nintendo switch as well i i don't get it i think it's an easy easy thing to do and i think it's great for that system but that's here nor there what i am excited about is that the big announcement by none other then the legendary director of Fatal Fury, Fatal Fury 2, and the motion picture, the one and only Masami Ubari announced on Twitter that he will be making a short movie based on the upcoming King of Fighters 15 game. I can't tell you how much of a fan, how much of a fan I am of this guy. Um, he has a signature ways of, cer um, of certain shows, of certain uh, projects that he's done. Uh, certain, uh, how should I say, cheeky features and, and signature things that he does involving certain, involving the female characters at best. <laughs> A lot of jello jiggling around, if you will. But nonetheless, um, what, what is also loved about him is the action that happens in the uh, in his projects as well. Uh, Obari, who has worked on two anime classics for actually three uh anime classics for snk in the form of fatal fury fatal fury 2 which was tv specials based on the legendary fighting game series and i'm telling you if you 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 knew otakus out there if you want to see some good action-packed martial arts uh video game uh, iterations out there watch fatal fury and fatal fury 2 especially like not only just watch them but download the soundtrack if you can find it there. The soundtracks were awesome. The 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 theatrical music orchestra uh, orchestrated soundtracks were awesome. Especially uh, Fatal Fury 2 with Wolfgang Krauser. His theme music is epic. Um, and then you got the fight, the, the final fight scene of that. Oh, it's just it's so fantastic. Just just gritty strong style fighting right there. Um, but. He also went out and did the Fatal Fury motion picture based on the characters of the game and in a original story, which I just actually watched on Retro Crush. It still holds up. 
It, that movie is so awesome. Uh, Fatal Fury was amazing. That It was an amazing game, an amazing series. And now we finally get to see him do the King of Fighters. It is awesome. I should also note that he has also worked on other fighting game based animes such as Galkaiser and... Uh, I bet a lot of you new gamers don't know this one. Battle Arena to Shinden, based on the cult hit PS1 game. Actually, the original marquee game for the for gamers back in the PlayStation 1. People don't people don't uh, forget when the PlayStation 1 first came out, the one of the first games that they marketed to entice fans because fighting games were still a major thing back then. Battle Arena to Shinden because you had Tekken that came out Tekken was uh, a new thing, the original Tekken. You had Virtual Fighter, that was also a major thing as well. And, you know, you had Yu Suzuki, who actually was the one who started all of this. You know, Virtual Fighter was the first 3D game in arcades, and let alone consoles as well, and changed everything in terms of um, how we look at games now. You know, Yu Suzuki was, that's why his arcade cabinet is in the Smithsonian Museum. That is why. He's a game changer, and somehow he came out with Shinmu 3, and Sega didn't support that. That's a whole nother mystery for a whole nother time. And I gotta look into that. If somebody has the answer for that, let me know. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, that it is what it is. But he has done so many legendary works. I mean, you're talking Bubblegum Crisis, that, if you haven't seen Bubblegum Crisis, I, I just recommend it. Um, one of my neighbors uh, uh, to that one. Uh, Bubblegum Crisis is classic and legendary. Um, uh, he also uh, had worked on Gundam series, uh, Super Robot Wars, just to name a few. And it, 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 he has a list of uh, really legendary, uh, a lot of legendary cult classics that you have or have not seen yet. Um, when the announcement of his return to the series uh, came, Obari had this to say, according to Google Translate, by the way, because this he did it in uh, Japanese text. So this is Google Translate uh, version of this. I will be in charge of the KOF 15 special short movie. I am happy to have an official job with SNK for the first time in a long time. Thank you, everyone. Enough said. Hey, I'm very much looking forward to this because if you remember, I talked about this on Select Start that I hope that they make a bigger deal out of this than they did with 14. 14 was good, but it could have been so much better in terms of presentation. Um, you know, they, it felt outdated. Not because it, it, was in, it was in 3D, but yet it still felt outdated because they still went with the formulaic way of putting together a fighting game in this in the same way that they did it you can't do that anymore capcom had to realize that we talked about this before capcom had to realize that they they with um snk versus capcom three they got cocky they got arrogant with how they presented that game and they did so by not giving us the elaborate storytelling feature of it they dropped the ball with that um and then they came out with uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, did it, but it still kind of fell off for some reason. Maybe the gameplay was different, and people didn't like the way the gameplay was with that. And somewhat the look as well. I didn't mind the look. I thought the look was great. I didn't mind the gameplay as well. I didn't think it was the best thing in the world either, but it was 
better but people love the marvel versus capcom series because it is tournament based play that was not a tournament based game to say the least in comparison to what you could do with the other previous you know versus titles uh but then snk did that did the same thing they had a story but it was it was shallow at best we got fans myself included who are very invested in the into these characters and want to see more that's why it was very i was very happy when snk decided to do a 26 episode series based on king of fighters and really bring it in now why didn't they do that and put it into the game i don't know but hopefully this time with kof 15 that they add so much more to it that they give more depth do what do it bandai namco did with uh tekken 7 because i thought what they did with tekken 7 was fit fantastic i thought street fighter uh 5 the shadow falls storyline um was good now it was it was great at the time but now that we have all these other you know these other fighting games to compare it to and i know because i just i actually replayed uh street fighter 5 for the first time in a long time and you know it, it's 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 a cool thing but the you know now compared to like that of mortal kombat 11 and 10 and you know tekken to that extent you know it was what it was for the time but they they these those two other uh franchises learned from that and capitalized on them and came out with some really strong strong storytelling in there i hope king of fighters learn their lesson and do the exact same thing i hope that the guys who did the and the 3d animated series works on this in terms of story i hope that they do it i hope it it will be absolutely great because i love what they did with that and uh we'll see but you know masame obari doing a short for this i think is an awesome thing this is a great way to celebrate the years of this franchise which is one of the biggest crossovers in gaming history still to this well not actually there's i think project zone uh project uh cross zone may have been may have beat them out as far as the biggest crossover event ever but um at the time 94 95 96 97 to 2003 it was known as one of the biggest video game crossovers ever and then on top of that they had snk versus capcom which damn it will somebody one of the two agree to bring those games back out because i want to play those games so bad i especially want to play the neo geo pocket version of uh snk versus capcom car fighters they're coming out with all these neo geo games i have yet to see that game i'm i'm clamoring for them to come out with that game because that was one of the best car battle games i've ever played still to this day and and as much as i love dragon ball uh super dragon ball uh the car battle game that one still beats it i mean i i got so much to say about that i hope they do because i will have a ball talk about that one so we will see people and they still haven't had a release date for when uh this game is coming out but they said 2021 so i'm gonna guess i'm gonna predict march to i'm gonna say march to may that this game is coming out i'm gonna probably the latter probably may even june but i'm thinking we're gonna get get it by probably may i'll be surprised and watch they're gonna say like august or november <laughs> we'll see either way it's the only fighting game that's been announced to come out so far and i damn it I, i'm okay with it as long as it's really good uh i'm good with it we just need we need more fighting games now I, we are having a recession of fighting games that has come out lately so we'll see folks 
that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to talk about and review Transformers War on Cybertron Earthwise. Man, did they step this up. We're going to talk about it right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Tom Gibbous, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and I am very happy to review Transformers War on Cybertron Earthrise, which is the second part of the trilogy that they are working on with Netflix. And I got to say, man, if you're a Transformers G1 fan in particular, and for those who don't know what G1 is, it's Generation 1. And it's a term used to represent the original series from 1984, the one, the most beloved series of everything, the one that started it all. Because if you if you realize that they moved on to different versions of Transformers now, so G1 is the term for the the OG of it all, the the Mecca, the the Genesis if you will, of the uh, franchise, the one that, the only one that everybody should be using, uh, but they've moved on to doing Beast Wars and all these other versions and, you know, Prime, which I did love the Transformers Prime series, it was probably the, at the time the best series of them all, but Rooster Teeth, uh, the company, the, the studio responsible for uh, such famed hits as Ruby, Red vs. Blue, Death Battle Series, Gen uh, Lock, and Camp Camp, and among others, uh, have probably, I think, made their best to date. Like, because I've seen some of the Ruby series, especially the old one. I know they evolved way from that, well, way more from that time. That was a beloved original series made by them. And it has become a very popular series, uh, both as a anime type of series as well as a video game, because they have tied into Blaze Blue and other type of series and such. And you know, it's grown popularity. And these guys have been given the helm to do other big projects. One of which is Transformers. Hasbro gave them the rights to do this, and I gotta say, is absolutely their best to date there's the it's their best project to date they've been doing these series for quite some time uh war on cybertron was once a limited short miniseries online and now we got to see this elaborate new version that tells the story of what happened to the autobots and decepticons on cybertron as they lead into earth so it is absolutely based upon it's a retelling of the original series which kind of tells the story 
directly and indirectly changing some parts of the story around to add on some new elements to it uh but everything in terms of character design of what we loved about the old series is on here but they brought it into a nuance which is now a much more sophisticated more gritty this is the transformers for the people who grew up loving the series exactly the way that we're seeing it i mean some things have changed but other things the the most important parts of it did not uh because the original uh, g1 cartoon it it was great and it did have some follow-up and episodic you know the uh you know dramatic moments and they did kind of keep track of things but not in its totality because at the end of the day the series was meant to uh, you know basically sell the toy line that's all that it was for gi joe especially uh all of those that was connected to sumbo productions which is a marvel uh studios which was originally technically marvel studios at the time um you know jim and the holograms as well i believe my little pony all those you know all that they had cartoons just to sell the toys and they would heavily sell the toys in to their success <laughs> they've done it with great success actually so you know this this series man this is I've, this is the series that grew up with us and that's the way that it was made you know you had we have the beloved series that which you by the way if you if you download the toby the uh, tubi app the entire transformer series is on there you can watch the entire series of g1 on there they have every single episode on there so you could uh, definitely check it out there i'm surprised hulu or even netflix because they have this i'm surprised they didn't pick that up that they didn't have the rights to pick that up and that they didn't put that on netflix i don't i really don't understand it but guess what it doesn't matter because this series despite it not having frank welker and pete and peter cullen reprising their roles as optimus prime and megatron is possibly the best g1 series made since the original and i what i love about it is that like i said they matured it it's more sophisticated it's gritty it's the grown-up version it's for the grown-ups who grew up you know with the g1 series and you can see it every way I, I love what they did with this it still has all the character of the g1 but now it's a more adult sophisticated it tells a different type of story a deeper story development with these guys you know the mentality of megatron alone from the first saga and now to this one is incredible it is so incredible the theme that they're talking about was it's it, what they do with this what rooster teeth does with this series idw and sophie campbell did with teenage mutant Ninja turtles these are both two series uh that came out in the 80s and now we're seeing it grow up with us and i love what they did here um so let's talk about what's been going on with this series this is another six episode mini series a half hour each if you guys remember the original online series they used to be only and i you know if i'm correct they did have peter cullen in, a, in that one and i think frank welker in those um i think if i remember correctly but this version is a half hour at, at least a half hour 22 minutes to a half hour uh, each um the originals were i think like 10 minutes long if i'm correct but they felt like very lengthy deep um 10 minutes and uh oh man i'm, I'm actually I'm, it's on my screen right now and i've been running it all through this entire show 
but they're one of my favorite moments right now it's just awesome but let's go over what's happened since the battle of the space bridge on um siege which uh which which was a major thing megatron is in a break of madness after the events of the battle of the um space bridge uh he is struggling to survive after the all spark was lost and optimus prime threw it into the space bridge so he wouldn't get it because if he got it god knows what had happened from there he has even gone out of his way to talk to the head of ultra magnus which he keeps as a trophy after destroying and decapitating the falling autobot commander um he's just he's going through it this reminds me of um if you guys watch the old series after the events these the series that happened after transformers the movie when galvatron was beaten all of the decepticons were just beaten battered and destroyed they were in the planet char and meg galvatron was in another planet where he ended up drowned in a molten of i forgot what they called it but it 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 it, it uh made him mad it, it made him crazy he his voice wasn't even the same it be, it became leonard nimoy's voice to this to whatever crazy voice that frank welker came up with <laughs> crazy galvatron was awesome but speaking of which we'll talk about that in a minute um he has gone out of his way to not only talk to the ultra magnus's head because he's just he's everywhere now he's 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 lost it um now the failed leader of the decepticons will do whatever it takes to flee the dying planet and survive to try to bring back any salvage of anything that he has tried to gain because he is just out of it they are without power they are without energon it has just become like the economy of, of cybertron is just at an all-time low over there even you know he he's going to do whatever it takes to you know to, to flee the planet and re-energize the decepticons even if it means sacrificing his own clan while conducting what his uh his project known as nemesis if you guys remember the ship nemesis that he um that they have in the original series which also becomes their base their underground underwater base as, as well uh that's what it becomes and in order to do this and create this ship it involves megatron extracting decepticons all spark which is their essence their soul to produce enough energy to flee the planet so he's sacrificing his he's killing off his own people in order to do this like how much of a tyrant can you be or a crazed dude can you be meanwhile the remaining autobots on cybertron are also fighting to salvage whatever they can to protect the remaining autobots and decepticons as well alita one is in charge while optimus is you know heading out looking for the allspark so she's along she's teaming up with along with red alert and jetfire um who ends up being captured and they're witnessing the events of what is happening with uh, megatron putting together project nemesis which is now in effect alita one is just totally disgusted at the sight of him uh harvesting his own uh his own group to energize the ship and why you know why wouldn't she megatron through this is i think he he's a bit smitten by alita one he he kind of is enamored by alita one based on her leadership and her you know diligence you know she she he feels that she's an asset to whoever she's around and since 
of uh, her, you know, her leadership of the whole entire thing. He actually invites her to be a part of Decepticons, to which Alita is not even trying to hear it. You know, Alita one at the same time, kind of a big focus on this time around. Uh, she is in a bit of a conflict as to whether to help all or only the Autobots. Her and Jetfire are having these little small debates while they're you know in the midst of all this because she wants to save everybody. You know, she she doesn't want to leave Decepticon or Autobot behind because that's their way. That's their philosophy. It's the Alpha Trion way of thinking. Jetfire, who once was a Decepticon and kind of thinks still like a Decepticon in a sense, feels like that once a Decepticon, always is a Decepticon, despite the fact that he was a Decepticon and has turned the uh, it turned uh, and changed his philosophies. So despite the fact that he himself has turned, you know, into an Autobot, he's still a bit cynical about the rest of the Decepticons in thinking that none of them will actually change the way that they uh they are philosophically you know morally and ethically if you will and all of this we turn to the other side of things where we're at the arc and we see that the autobots are crashed in orbit they are just stuck in orbit stranded in orbit out there while a group of mercenary transformers uh come and invade their actual territory and they're being sent by a being by the name of Desus, who in fact is a Quintessons. And if you're a G1 fan, you know the Quintessons, you know that the Quintessons were a major deal during the process of Transformers the movie and the events after that. And we discover a lot of things about them during that time. How they play into the uh, the storyline of, uh, you know, of War and Cybertron, it's very interesting here. Um, the Quintessons, manages to find optimus prime bumblebee rc willjack mirage prowl hound and ironhide in the ark they're stranded in space while searching for the allspark that prime threw into the space bridge the mercenaries deliver the autobots to desus who explains to them and this is very interesting that it was he who gave them liberation at a time when they were slaves now this is kind of this is kind of a, a connection to g1 because the Autobots were slaves. Uh, as to whether Desus was the one to liberate them, giving them the ability to transform, that's a whole nother thing. Now, but it is known, if you watch past episodes of G1, there are episodes where they explain that, where I believe the, it was the episode where the Aerobots go back in time. Uh, and they find out who Optimus Prime was in the beginning, who, which he was Orion Pax. Um, if you're a Transformers fan, you know that for sure. And then also that the Autobot symbol was once known as the slave brand. And it's really kind of interesting because it, this was the sophisticated part of Transformers back then. Like they had episodes where it was episodes of Transformers was like, unlike any other saturday morning cartoon or any type of cartoon that you've seen they cover some subjects that was really interesting to, to really consider the autobot uh symbol as the slave brand and they kind of took it in and adopted it for their own as a symbol of peace and in in wisdom and sage it's very interesting because there's some relatives there's some relative type of situations in american history that has been taken 
on its own and adopt it into the black community in a sense and i won't say it because they're still under discussion as to whether that word uh in term is universal right now even even appropriate in this case you know it's this it's still a slave brand term even though it's kind of the wording has changed or whatever uh in that sense that you know it's happening it you know the autobot symbol kind of takes you know a little bit of that as well in here so it's very interesting um i don't it's been it'd be really interesting if they also mentioned that the autobot symbol was known as a slave brand as well in here as well that was something that the cartoons did back in the day um also note that in the original g1 series it was not one but multiple quintessons that were said to be one uh the ones that created the entire race of uh transformers with the creation of vector sigma that uh, gave them life or an allspark if you will because the allspark term first of all the allspark term if i'm correct didn't wasn't a thing until the actual michael bay movies i have never heard the term allspark before until i heard it in that movie and that i don't it's a thing i still don't understand whether the allspark is a special form of energy but they also refer to allspark as the soul of the transformers as well so i don't know i it'd be interesting um at the time vector sigma was that that you know i you know that program that gave it life i'd be interested to see if vector sigma makes it in here as well um desus wants prime to in the autobots to help him in some form of way but they never explain what it, what the hell that he wanted him to help him with because they end up you know escaping from him as well desus in the process is in conflict with his other counterparts and decides to extract them from itself by slicing their faces off them. if you guys know what a quintesson is if you've seen the series if you watched this series or the recent series there are these beings that have that were in fact uh said to have created the transformers in cybertron at the time and enslaved them as well and um they are multi they're multiple they all have multiple personalities and multiple faces that switches up every so often it's really a weird thing but it's awesome and i love the fact that rooster chief made every transformer and every character that we've seen on that series look exactly the way they, they do in minute detail and more and to watch the quintesson faces exactly look the way that they did in the old hasbro series just it's spectacular absolutely um i should also note that in this series bumblebee finally decides to join up and become an autobot uh to help with optimus and him because if you remember in the first saga he was torn between being a he's a, he was basically an independent you know in terms of uh political parties he was an independent he didn't want to be an autobot he didn't want to be a decepticon he felt both parties didn't have something to offer he finally became an autobot in this case um not only that because uh he was you know kind of he's kind of connected in some ways if you've seen the you know the last uh saga in there which by the way i don't understand why they're not connecting siege and uh, um what is it siege and now Earthrise together they're two separate shows apparently now it's weird it's really weird just combine them all together it's supposed to be a trilogy for goodness sake um i want to do some cast notes too because this is very interesting i spoke about this before the last time we talked about siege jack uh for he's or fauci i believe it's fauci that he uh 
is pronounced i could be butchering the hell out of his name but he's the new optimus prime for this series i don't know why but i am liking his portrayal i i really am liking his portrayal in here um it's not peter cullen we all aware of that but i it's it just works it just works for what they're doing it within i normally i've heard other optimus prime voices in the past like the voice who does optimus primo and then he went on to do other ones wasn't anywhere i, I did not like that voice at all for him I, I i'm not saying i'm saying i don't like the actor i just don't like the way that they casted him to do optimus prime because he sounded like a normal suburban dad as opposed to a gritty you know you're a gritty old veteran you know in optimus prime and that's what optimus prime kind of is uh he's a gritty old veteran who's been in this for a long time and he's say he's he's subtle he's humble he you know that the guy just sounded like mike brady <laughs> on beast wars and in on the other transformer shows um when peter cullen brought it in he had this very very wise very safe it, he represented what the autobot symbol came out to be and he was every bit as uh to that nature as what he was um jake forcey forcey also or falsey i'm pretty sure it's f-o-u-s-c-e uh s-h-e-e i'm pretty sure it's falsey I, i gotta check but i think that he does very well my only wish is that they auto-tuned his voice a little bit more to really bring it out because they're transformers and they're known for auto-tuning voices like that like you didn't hear when you heard casey Kasem's voice do cliff uh hanger back then or even peter cullen or even you know frank welker you heard the auto-tune with it as well to give it that you know audio robotic type of voice with it as well as well as giving them personality to their voice um jason uh marnocha as uh, Megatron, I think he really captured the essence of the evil Decepticon leader. You know, I he he has a. It's funny because it's a combination of G1 characteristics with the voice portrayal of Hugo Weaving from the movies. It, it, it's those combination and, and Hugo Weaving as Megatron in the movies was one of the great things about the actual live action movies. It especially more or less the first one at best. Um, but he, I, I love, I love this portrayal of Megatron. And of course, I love Frank Welker as well. But I think these guys have done um, a pretty good job with what they're doing here. Um, I really do. Uh, you know, Joe uh, Seja, or I'm gonna butcher this again. It's Z I E J A, Zaja, Zaja, uh, I believe. I'm gonna butcher the hell out of this. So forgive me. <laughs> uh, as Bumblebee, uh, possibly the best portrayal of the character since. Um, Dan uh Gelsevan, uh, and who is the original Bumblebee, and also one of the original Peter Parkers as well. He's that dude's awesome. But I think uh Joe has done a great job with this one. He's brought you know personality back into it. I want to note too that you know um Will Fredo, who from Boy Meets World, also played Bumblebee, but not as much as he did because for the most part, in in Transformers Prime. That Bumblebee was more portraying the Bumblebee from the Michael Bay live action movies in which that he didn't make, he didn't talk as much because his voice act, his voice uh, box was damaged. And it wasn't until the very end, and then I believe they did a movie after that, that he started talking 
And so it's like a little bit too little too late. You never really got a chance to see that. I don't know. I still don't understand why they even did that whole voice box stupid thing. And I know I love Transformers Bumblebee because of how good that was. And they kind of answered the question as to why that happened. But why did it need to happen in the first place? I never understood that. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to the storyline, to the story development of that. Frank Todaro remains the best Starscream since the late, great Christopher Cullens. I I can't believe that they found somebody that can even remotely get uh, close to what he's done. Um, he's done a really great job. And I, if I'm correct, I believe he may have actually, I could be wrong, but he may actually be playing Cobra Commander in some G.I. Joe projects as well. But uh, as far as Starscream is concerned, he's the closest to Christopher Cullens as you could possibly get. And I think he does a great job. I think also auto-tuning his voice would have been great too because it the auto-tune thing was a was a part of the the thing with the original transformers like they sounded human but they had this auto this auto-tune voice that travels with it and it made it it gave it a better effect um lindsey russo uh russo Rousseau, as the leader one was a big standout this series seeing her on the virtuous path while questioning her moral and ethics in this whole thing so you know these were the, all the standouts all these people with last names that is hard to uh, pronounce <laughs> no disrespect to them um but they i i think this cast all around just did a fantastic job um and i felt you know as a person who loved the original series i think they did an absolutely great job putting this together it, you could tell there was a lot of heart put into this series and just a lot of great moments as well like you know seeing the appearance of the quintessence followed by the debut of scorpionok pre-headmaster I, I might say because the headmasters didn't exist until way till way 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 like millions of years later so you would never be you would not see the scorpionok even happen and apparently according to his appearance on the show this season he's the last remaining scorpionok in his race so he's kind of like the um how is that the insecticons in a sense where like there was a race of them out there but you know he's the last remaining so he's going to be the one that eventually gets to be a headmaster millions of years later and i say millions of years later because the events that are happening here is during the dawn of time in earth so by the time they reach earth it should be the prehistoric paleolithic era which does lead into that as well Seeing Starscream be Starscream the minute that he thinks Megatron is destroyed, creating the classic back and forth dynamic between the two is always great to see. It's one of the signature things about Transformers as well is his backstabbing. Um, episode 5, seeing Alpha Trion and um, the Matrix along with the backstory of Skylinx, who apparently felt like he was deserving of the Matrix, which Alpha Trion decided to banish him into the dead universe. Very interesting story plays right into his arrogance if you've known about the character Skylinks and if you've seen him on you know previous Transformers episodes of the old you know he's a very arrogant character and this kind of plays up his alley so this makes it more it just gives it a more depth to understanding as to why he is the way he is also on episode five uh Megatron and Decepticons follow Prime into the Rift only to enter the portal where we see the appearance of Galvatron who warns Megatron or himself of what he needs to do to prevent the upcoming dangers of the universe that danger being Unicron 
During that talk, we also get the appearance of Unicron, who de who decimates Galvatron for warning Megatron early on. So that was that was definitely something deep. That was very deep. Uh, what happened there? A lot of uh, play of things that we saw from Transformers the movies in that scene as well is really pretty awesome to see. No telling whether Galvatron was from the future or another dimension or whatnot, but I guess we'll find out later on. Uh, the final episode, which uh, is based on the events of the original G1 series where the Decepticons uh, ship Nemesis crashed into the arc leading, uh, leading to them battling and crash landing on Earth's atmosphere during the BC era. Uh, the difference between this episode and the original episode is that RC, which uh, we got to see like way later after during the... Uh, who first appeared in Transformers the movie, I should say, uh, was not a part of the original group of people who boarded the Ark, but she was in this one instead. So it's very interesting where that's going. So my predictions for next season or the final installment of the trilogy from here is um, from the way it ended up, they wound up on Earth during the Paleolithic era or the caveman era or the prehistoric era, if, whatever, whichever you want to call it. This can go two ways, in my opinion. They could move on to the modern era from that look uh, from from that uh, point, like they did with the original series, or the other way could lead to Beast Wars. Which, if you watch the last few seconds of that of the show, we saw a dinosaur open its eyes with a computerized optic. Uh, look on his eyes analyzing the arc now if I'm correct I, I forgot this, how the story of Beast Wars happened but it, I think that that's where they're possibly leading to and I'm going to give a benefit of a doubt with this because I am one of the minority of people who did not like the Beast Wars saga and, and I won't say it completely disliked it the only thing I did like is when they actually did connect it to the G1 uh era so i don't know where they're going with this i have no idea where they're going with this but if they do beast wars i hope they do it in a way that i like it because beast wars was one of the ones that it had the the um eccentric version of uh, megatron um in that era it had optimus primal who again i said his voice sounded like a suburban pop uh, dad if you will um I, I i don't know i don't know where they're going with this i don't know where they're going with this i hope whatever they do they make sense of it uh that it it it, it has g1 fans still loving the series and i know there are beast war fans out there so i don't know what they're doing with this i you know rooster teeth has done phenomenal since they started any of these transformers projects so i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens there but right now uh, Earthrise is is a game changer. It steps it up. It is awesome. They really do answer a lot of questions. They give a lot of fanfare. If you have not watched this, if you're a G1 fan, you probably have watched it already. But if you haven't and been under a rock and you own Netflix, this is a reason I have Netflix right now. <laughs> this is awesome. This gives a, 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 a absolutely astronomical A+. You have to watch this. This is just so great. Even a show without Peter Cullen and Frank Welker reprising their roles, this show or any of the old um, cast, 
this show is so worth watching because they do so much right with it right now so that'll do it folks that will do it for this edition of talk time live thank you guys very much as always for listening in and hopefully i got a chance to entertain you for at least an hour or so and uh take away just suspend your disbelief and give you an opportunity to check out a lot of cool things out there especially that teenage mutant ninja turtle uh comic book especially transformers war and cybertron and hopefully something to look forward to like for instance this week i'm not only going to boast this because it's my birthday week I think I'm going to be 44. I think I am. I got to check. I got to check my smart technology. (laughs) Yes, my birthday is this week and there's no stopping of any shows. In fact, there's going to be a huge celebration because as I mentioned on Select Start, oh, I'm going to be happy because one of my all-time favorite games and one of my all-time favorite movies is going to be talked about on this platform. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the video game, is coming back on my birthday, January the 14th. And damn it if we're not going to be talking about why that it's not even going to be a review because i'm telling you spoiler alert it that game gets an a plus but we'll talk about it look back at it and talk about why this was so good in accordance to the movie in accordance to the comic series that you know it all stemmed from and why this was so right and why this needed more attention when it did but didn't get it um we're gonna definitely talk about that i'm gonna have a lot of fun talking about this game in accordance to everything going on and why scott pilgrim is one of the best cult classic graphic novels um movies and and tributes to video games as well you know it's just absolutely awesome and as i mentioned before i am going to show i'm gonna play a clip of my first interview with Ruben Langdon, aka the voice of Dante from Devil May Cry, aka the voice of Ken Masters, and a horde of other movies as well. If you guys don't know, he not only was he portrays those characters, but he was also stuntman number one to Chris Evans, yes, Captain America, on uh, the on the uh, scene where Scott faces the uh, the one of the evil exes, which just happens to be Chris Evans, aka Captain America, and he has a stunt crew. Well, stuntman number one, in fact, was Ruben Langdon, who is a legit stuntman in real life. So uh, we talked about that in our very first interview, which was on July fourth. I forgot which July 4th. He's been on the show four times. But um, it was one of the best July 4th I've ever spent, I've ever had. And the guy is awesome. So I'm going to play that clip where we talk about his involvement with the Scott Pilgrim uh, movie. And um, we're just going to have a lot of fun with it. We're just going to have an insanely amount of fun. We're going to do that on, on not on the Select Start one, because we're going to talk about the game on Select Start, um, amongst other news that goes on in the world of gaming as well. Sunday. We're going to talk about that movie. We're going to look back at that movie. We're going to talk about why that movie was great, why the soundtrack was great, all that stuff. But then I'll play the clip there as well. So stay tuned for all of that. You you do not want to miss this at all. You know what? If you don't want to, if you really don't want to miss that, then there's a way you can't miss a damn episode of Talk Time Live. And that is by subscribing and downloading to the show. You can check it out, of course, on TalkTimeLive.com, where you can check out this episode and all of our episodes on there, as well as all of our exclusive inter- uh, interviews, including the full interview of that Ruben Langdon um, first interview from the 4th of July, where we talk about that. But all of our interviews from some of the best. You can check it out there on our exclusives page on TalkTimeLive.com. And if you want to subscribe and download and never miss a beat, you could also do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, 
God, you name it, we're on there. You can check it out any and everywhere you want it to be. So folks, definitely thank you again for all the support that you've been doing, for all the new members that has been adding on to this group and uh, to all of our ACMG Facebook group as well. Shout out to them as well. Uh, you know, could, this wouldn't happen if there was no ACMG group if this whole thing didn't come up. So much respect to those who respect the group, who respect all things anime, comics, movies, games, and, and so forth. And 2021, day 10. <laughs> I'm not giving up yet, and neither should you. So let's keep it going and keep it growing at all times, no matter what. Folks, that will do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, be safe, and have a great one. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.